it's not like teams of people can just get on uh, a commercial airliner and go there and take things in with them. The resources that are inside of Haiti right now are the ones that people have to use. The U.S. military is helping with some humanitarian aid deliveries, but it's slow. Right now, it's really is funding to where supplies can be bought locally within Haiti to be distributed there. It's a big thing. There are different charities, organizations that work there. Lifeline is one. There's a lot of other great organizations that are doing the same. So funding donations like that. Um, this is uh, off the wall, but if anybody happened to have a cargo plane that they could help deliver things there, that really is a big need. We don't all have cargo planes waiting around to help like that. The, the key right now is the, having the funding to, to purchase items locally to quickly get them in, uh, into people's hands. Welcome to St. Louis in Tune, where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. Our weekly podcast gives you the edge to live a more informed life. We discuss more than just St. Louis as we connect the gateway city to our country's current cultural fabric and lives. There is a situation going on in a country right now that has been put on the back burner, taken off the stove. And I understand that because news changes every second. Mm -hmm. And there are things going on internationally, especially the situation in Afghanistan. But it seems like the news media has blacked out Mm -hmm. any kind of information. There are rare occasions where I've seen stories on Haiti. In 2010, there was a huge earthquake there. There was a lot of outpouring of support. Their president was recently assassinated. A couple weeks ago, they had another massive earthquake where now uh, the latest thing I saw was like 2,500 have been accounted for dead. They're estimating four more times. I was able to talk to an individual this morning about what's going on there in Haiti, and we're going to talk to somebody here in a moment. But they said the situation in Haiti is very volatile right now. And matter of fact, the State Department has issued a do not travel to Haiti due to this kidnapping, crime, and civil unrest. Reconsider travel to Haiti due to COVID-19. I'm like, if I'm weighing COVID-19 versus kidnapping, crime, and civil unrest, there's no comparison there. I guess you can, you can, you can die from both. But the other things, kidnappings widespread, victims are regularly include U.S. citizens and harm to family members, armed robbery, carjackings are common. This is from the State Department's website. Travelers are sometimes followed and violently attacked, etc. Protest demonstrations, tire burning, roadblocks are frequent. Apparently the gangs have gone wild down there. And when you remember Papa Doc, who used to be in charge, and then there was, I think it was called Little Doc or something like that, one person left with the treasury. And they've, for 200 years, since they've had their independence, it was a slave uprising that they got their independence, second only in the Western Hemisphere to the United States, that they've never been able to rise up and become stable. They've always had financial trouble. But this individual I talked to this morning said, it is so bad in Haiti that when kids are infants, people don't know what to do with them. They can't take care of them. They'll just go out and leave them in, in the woods. Oh, my if you don't have any money, folks, how are you going to buy food? Right. Which is why people steal. They're desperate. They're desperate. Mm-hmm. How am I going to feed my family? And personal income, this is from, I know some people don't like w- Wikipedia, yeah. but these things are checked out. But if we think we've got it bad here, 
most Haitians in the labor force have informal jobs. Three-quarters of the population lives on less than two U.S. dollars per day. Oh, my. Now, the population's 11.5 million. That was my question. And how big is the country? Do you know that? It's 11.5 million. It's a large country. It kind of butts up to the Dominican Republic, which right. then makes it the largest island, quote-unquote, right. in the yeah. but Caribbean. The Dominican Republic is its own country. I was able to make wow. a connection with a group that has a ministry down in Haiti, mm-hmm. Lifeline Christian Mission, and we have Joel Augustus on the line. He's executive vice president of Field Ministry. Joel, welcome to St. Louis in Tune. Hi, thank you. Good to be here. I just gave an introduction about Haiti, and there's just a lot going on there. I know it's been a while since you've been down there. You have spent time down there, and you do supervise work that goes on down there. What can you tell us to give us an indication of what's really happening down there? Yeah, so over the last couple of years, there's just been a really political gridlock in Haiti, and it has culminated here a number of weeks ago with the assassination of their president, as you mentioned, and really there's just been a power vacuum uh, created, and so it's left very little of a functioning central government, and so anytime there's a vacuum, people will step in and and take their piece of the pie that they can, and so it's just created a lot of, uh, the political instability has created a lot of insecurity as far as personal safety and you know on top of that last saturday was the major earthquake that has just deeply impacted the country again and so just really just one as you alluded to one one hit after another they weren't really fully recovered from the earthquake that happened in 2010 were they yeah not completely obviously people had been able to start to put their lives back together and um and uh, still a lot of deep wounds from that, still a lot of impact on their economy. There was there was a major hurricane, I think it was Hurricane Matthew, went through there in 2017, which also created a lot of damage to their agricultural-based economy. And then, you know, here four years later, another big hit for them, especially in the southwest part of the country, was where this particular earthquake did the most damage. The 2010 earthquake probably had the biggest impact in the capital in Port-au-Prince, just because of the the density of the population there. This one, most of the damage is in the southwestern part of the country. And they're getting hit by another storm, or it maybe it hit already, hurricane strength, that uh, the last couple days or something like that, correct? Yeah, uh, Tropical Storm Grace just went through and just caused some flooding and kind of rubbed salt in the wounds, I think, of some of the people who were, who were the worst hit. What is your organization doing to assist? I know there is, they're, they are really crying out for help. I'm reading from, from an Associated Press report right now that there's tens of thousands homeless, over 12,300 still missing, and this was back several days ago, and search and rescue efforts are being complicated. Hospital and clinics are in those areas that you mentioned are destroyed or completely overwhelmed. We need help is what people are saying. Haiti is on its knees. What kind of uh, resources does uh, your group offer to the uh, residents sure. there? Sure. So we, we work with community development projects in 13 communities throughout the country. Five of those communities are in what I would refer to as the biggest impact zone of this earthquake. And so we're doing some shifting of resources that we had in other parts of the country already, shifting those to to this impact zone. So our Haitian staff are 
mobilizing. They're taking food supplies that we already had there, hygiene supplies, drinking water. They purchased some drinking water. They've purchased some things to help people with temporary shelter because as you, I think the figure I saw this morning was 30,000 families lost their homes, temporary shelter. And then we have a couple of medical clinics in other parts of the country. So we're trying to shift some of those resources to this impact zone as well. And really just helping the people there with what we can, working through local community leaders on the ground to make whatever difference we can. Right now, the biggest need that people there have is for food, water, temporary shelter, and medical attention. And so then uh, emergency relief is is phase one of what people need. Then maybe phase two, say another six weeks from now, will be more short-term recovery, helping people who are starting to put their lives back together, maybe just acquire some more resources that they would need. So maybe some continual food aid, maybe instead of giving people bottled water at that point, we would be trying to get water purification systems into their hands. Maybe right now they're getting tarps, but maybe in six to eight weeks, we're trying to give out um, like tin, roofing tin that they can use to make a little bit more of a semi-permanent structure to keep them out of the elements. Your medical attention right now is more for trauma care. Here in six to eight weeks, it would more be trying to prevent food and waterborne illness, so trying to prevent stomach illnesses that people would have from eating contaminated food or drinking contaminated water. So the kind of the focus of the medical attention will shift. And then long-term is really probably four to six to eight months out. That's really just shifting out of relief mode and development mode, helping educate people or give them some resources. A lot of time that's knowledge are those resources that they would need to have the skills to help themselves. You go from the, that, that old saying, you give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. You teach a man to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. So right now you have to give the fish. You have to help them with those immediate needs they have. But it's important to make that shift here, say six six months down the road, to teaching them how to maybe have a new skill that they didn't have before the earthquake so that they can be ready and prepared for the next crisis that life throws their way. What is communication like down there, Joel? Are you able to communicate with um, field staff? Yeah, so most of our communication is through uh, through email or cell phone service. A real popular way that people communicate is overseas is through WhatsApp. is an application that a lot of people use. So some of the cell service has been interrupted. Some of the towers went down with this earthquake, it, but it, it just has made it spottier than it was before. But we're able to have mostly daily communication with them, and they're reporting a lot of damage. They're seeing people a lot of despair i think just like we've already mentioned earlier one thing after another over a period of years that just weighs that kind of weighs on you and you start to feel despair so we're just doing what we can to start to give people some hope again and that's really critical and i appreciate how you mentioned the short term the the immediate needs, then after that, a couple of weeks, and then how you laid that out. That's very important. What can uh, individuals do to assist if they have an opportunity to provide some donations or things like that? Sure, yeah. So, um, you know, right now, the, one of because of the insecurity that was already there, it's not like teams of people can just get on uh, a commercial airliner and go there and take things in with them. So really, the resources that are inside of Haiti right now are the ones that people have to use. The U.S. military is helping with some uh, 
humanitarian aid deliveries, but it's slow. So as right now, it's really it's funding to where supplies can be bought locally within Haiti to be distributed there is the, it's a big thing. There are different charities, organizations that work there. Lifeline is one. If someone would want to would wanna help Lifeline do what we're doing, they could go to our webpage at lifeline.org, the, you know, lifeline.org, and, and give that way. There's a lot of other great organizations that are doing the same. You know, like I would mention Samaritan's Purse is another great one as well. They're very quick on the scene in a disaster like this. And so funding donations like that, um, this is a, a, a off the wall, but if anybody happened to have a cargo plane that they could help deliver things there, that really is a big need. I, I know that there's not most likely we don't all have cargo planes waiting around to, for uh, to, to help like that. But really that's the, the key is right now is the, having the funding to, to purchase items locally to quickly get them in, uh, into people's hands. Then that phase two, that more short-term recovery, one of the things that we do is we do meal packing activities here in the States and in Canada where we work with a civic group or a church group and we gather them together and they prepare meals that are then shipped into a place like Haiti. Right now we're loading up a semi-container actually today that's headed there, but it would take six to eight weeks for it to get there. So that's more of a midterm thing, but that's something we would love to talk with people about as well. If they wanted to organize a meal packing with their civic group or school or church, we'd love to engage them in that way as well. That's great. You guys have been down there since 1981, so this is not wow. like you're new on the scene. You're very acquainted with what's happening down there and have some real strong roots down there. Are, how is the reception of what you've been doing? I, I would say it's very positive. We, we've been there, like you mentioned, over 40 years or around 40 years, and people know us and respect us. And our leadership, they're all Haitians, so they're really we're really a part of the communities that we work in there. We are respected and we're appreciated and we generally see a good response from the work we try and Folks, if you are inclined or it's laid upon your heart to help that situation out and you want to do that through Lifeline, it's lifeline.org, lifeline.org. Joel, any final words for us here? Just people of faith. We're a faith-based organization. We work with all people, but we're, we are a faith-based organization. So if, if there are other people of faith out there. Prayers are very important. Just pray that um, God could uh, give people who are living in despair right now, could give them some hope. Joel, thank you very much. We've been talking to Joel Augustus, Executive Vice President of Field Ministry for Lifeline. Joel, thanks very much. Have a great weekend. Bless you, Joel. Okay, thanks. You all take care. I appreciate Mm -hmm. it. Bye-bye. We appreciate you listening to this episode of St. Louis in Tune. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast to keep up on all of the latest episodes. St. Louis in Tune is produced in cooperation with KWRH 92.9 FM and Motif Media Group. For St. Louis in Tune, I'm Arnold Stricker.